The main text I'm going to be preaching from today is in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 14, uh, for those who'd like to follow along. I'm going to be preaching today on the finished work of the cross. Think of a work of art. Let's say there's a, there's a painting that you like. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the Last Supper, we've got a copy on the wall there. Uh, the original was painted by a man named uh, Leo da Vinci. But, um, you can go to Europe if you want to see the original. That's a, it's a nice painting. It's a complete painting. There's nothing missing from it, and it's fine the way that it is. Imagine, though, if someone came along with their brush and decided that a few more people needed to be present. It would be wrong. Those people don't belong at the Last Supper. The Last Supper was Jesus and his disciples. It wasn't Peter, Paul and Mary. Well, Peter was there. (laughs) (laughs) Paul wasn't there. there. Um, If he was, he would have frightened everybody uh, at that stage of his life. Um, It would be wrong. It would no longer convey what Leonardo, the artist, intended. You can't add to it. There's nothing else that it needs. And so it is with the Gospel. Jesus said, it is finished. And he meant it. Nothing can be taken away and nothing more can be added. Although sometimes, as Christians, we do like to try. You need to perform penance or you have to have more faith, or you need to speak in tongues, or you need to worship a particular way. And if you don't, are you really a Christian? I'm going to read from Romans, starting at the beginning of chapter 6 until verse 14. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may lead a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. (coughs) For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather 
Offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. The message of the cross is indeed powerful. It's an amazingly wonderful thing. It has the power to change lives. It has the power to deal with our most basic problem, ourself. I'm sure we'd all be righteous if we could get out of our own way. It is complete in itself. He, the death he died, he died once for all. Total completion. All. It's not 50-50 with Jesus meeting me halfway and then I've got to meet him halfway. It's not 80-20. It's not 99-1. Salvation is fully complete. He came to earth all the way. We did not ascend one step toward heaven before salvation. As the author of Hebrews says in chapter 9 verse 12, He entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption once for all. This also means no repetition is necessary. He does not need to be crucified again. And if we sin again, he is not crucified again. It was once for all. There's no more suffering. The punishment has been meted out and it is finished. It is finished. Christ died once for all and we do not need penance. We don't need to crawl around on our knees. We don't need to flagellate ourselves either physically with whips and chains, or emotionally calling ourselves fools and idiots for making mistakes. Christ has paid it. We do not need rituals. Though they offer good reminders of truths, they are not necessary for salvation. Christ has performed all the rituals that needed to be performed when he ascended to heaven and offered his own blood. We do not need flagellation. Christ has suffered once and for all. He was whipped. He was ridiculed. He was shamed. He wore the crown of thorns like the king he was and is. No more. No more ridicule. No more suffering. All we need to do is accept God's gift by faith with open arms. That's it. That's all there is. But what is this gift? What is this gift that I speak of? This gift is that Christ died as me in my place. He took the place I deserved so that I might be free. As verses 6 and 7 from Romans 6 says, I can read it again. For we know 
that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. We died when he died. Our old self is crucified with him, and we are made new, new creations. And if we have died, we have been freed from sin. It says right there, anyone who has died has been freed from sin. And if we have died with Christ, then we have been freed from sin with Christ. That's wonderful news. We're no longer a prisoner, but we are freed. In verses 3 and 4, we found that we were buried with him. We died with him and we were buried with him. And that's one of the functions of baptism, is to symbolise that death. And we are baptised into his death. And by being buried in water, we join Christ in the tomb. And by this means, we become dead to self and alive to Christ very soon. We were raised with him in verses 4 and 5. And as Christ was raised, we too are raised to a new life. If we are united in death through baptism, then we will be united in life everlasting in glory. We are new creations. In verses 10 and 12, we find that the life he lives... He lives to God and we live with him. The old self lived for sin. It was selfish. It was fearful and fear inducing. But in Christ, we do not live for sin, but we live for God. And finally, we ascended with him. In Ephesians 2.6 it says, And God raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Why? To demonstrate his kindness and the riches of his grace. Could you please turn your phone off? It's a bit irritating. What a wonderful gift. That Christ should take my place and invite me into his. We find the grace and kindness of God in this marvellous, wonderful exchange. That he takes my worst, my very worst, and in exchange offers me his very best. His death is your death. His burial is your burial. His life is your life. His entry into the Father's presence is your entry into the Father's presence. Because you are in Christ. And if you're not, you're a fool. Look at what you're missing out on. This is how you've received salvation. And this is how you live out the rest of your life. In Christ. What a gospel of victory. So therefore, because of this, as we see in verses 12 and 13, do not offer your body over to sin. Why on earth would you? 
Don't give in to those evil desires. Don't obey them. You don't have to. Don't be wicked. Don't be cruel. Don't be hurtful. Don't be spiteful. Don't be vengeful. Guard your hand. Guard your mouth. Your mind. Your spirit. Your heart. And instead, offer yourselves to God. If you have been brought from death to life, I charge you with this. Kindly act like it. Offer yourselves, as we see in verse 13, as instruments of righteousness. Because sin is not your master. Sin shall not be your master because you are not under law, you are under grace. And God has bestowed his grace upon you. And therefore, you are free from the law of sin and death. Instead, we live by the law of spirit and life. And this means that God's grace is operating in our lives via the Holy Spirit. Excuse me. This is the total salvation God has accomplished us. Nothing needs adding. You couldn't if you tried. We are born into sin. We can't help that. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Eve. Not at all. Inside our hearts is a sin factory, manufacturing sin non-stop. And every time you think you've cleared it out, another pile comes off the production line. But uh, that's in the next chapter of Romans. The things I want to do, I don't do. Instead, I do the things that I don't want to do instead of the things that I do want to do. We're stuck in it. But when Jesus is allowed into our hearts, when we throw open the door that he knocks upon, he comes in and he switches off the power and the factory ceases production. This is the good news of the gospel, is that the struggle with sin is over. The law of sin and death was crucified with Christ and it replaces and it is with replacing by the law of the spirit and life. All that remains is a residual habit, not a compulsion. You have a choice. And the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives soon challenges and removes those habits too. Unless we stubbornly cling to those old habits like a pack of fools. This is the total salvation that God has accomplished for us. This is the power of God in our lives. The raw power of the creator of the universe in our lives. Transforming us from glory to glory. To make us holy as he is holy. This is how the cross changes our lives, wholly and completely. That Christ died in our place. He was buried in our place. He rose in our place and he ascended in our place. 
where the life he lives for God. We who are in Christ, therefore, have done and do these things too. As such, our old self is dead and buried, and a new creation has risen in its place. And so now we have an obligation. We have this obligation. We, we have been saved. If we have been made righteous, we must act like it. We must honour God who has brought us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. Put away the sinful habits of the past. When you cling to them, you're like a person in a prison who still sits there, even when the door swings open and the chains and the manacles have been unlocked. But are we weak to succumb to temptation? Just because we've been saved doesn't mean that the devil sits around reading a novel. Praise God that his strength is made manifest in our weakness. Praise God that when we call on him, he is quick to save. And I urge you, if the temptation comes along, and if the old habit rears its head, and if sin, like God warned Cain, is crouching at the door desiring to have mastery over you, Call on the name of the Lord and see if he will not give you an out. If we don't toss out the habits, how can we be transformed from glory to glory? How can we lay hold of the destiny that Christ has appointed for us before the creation of the universe? I offer in conclusion a a story about a man named Joshua, whom God commanded to uh, lead Israel into Canaan. And he warned Joshua, after the defeat of Jericho, not to loot the city. Don't loot the city and don't take any of the cursed items. But uh, one soldier was a bit naughty and he decided he was going to hide some treasure in his tent. And God withdrew his blessing And they lost the next battle at Ai. They lost it badly. They had their backside handed to them on a plate, basically. It was pretty gruesome. And Joshua pleaded with the Lord, weren't you supposed to bless us? I thought that was our covenant. And God says, yeah, that is our covenant if you keep my command. But you've got idols in one of your tents and I'm not going to bless you while you've got that filth in your camp. When they got rid of those things, tossed them on the rubbish heap, then they saw success once more. Will it be any different for you? If you want to win the spiritual battles in your life, if you want to have the victory, then you must chuck out the garbage that God's forbidden. You can't cling to it anymore. You know what's right and wrong. You know, you're old enough. My boys are old enough. They like to push it too. 
And if you doubt your own judgment over an issue, I assure you, from my own experience, the Holy Spirit is quick to answer the sincere prayer. Do I need this in my life, God? No. Oh, well, that's not the answer I was looking for, God. No. If he says no, then no it is, and that's the end of it. Don't indulge any longer. Be holy as he is holy. You have been given the power through the cross, so make use of it. I urge you, be free. Thank you for your time. Thanks for listening to a Wattle City Church podcast. If you download the Anchor podcast app and type Wattle City Church into the search engine, you can listen to more and great podcasts from Wattle City Church. Thanks.